Welcome to the Duet Partner Podcast. Like the system that works for me, I like using technology. I I like having things digital. And for other teachers I've talked to, that would be too much friction. They would not maintain that system. So that's why I say do the system that you will maintain. That is the most powerful one for you. As tax day approaches, Andrea Miller is a helpful resource for all of us who are gathering receipts, organizing papers, working with accountants, and managing our small businesses. Through her company, Music Studio Startup, Andrea coaches music teachers on how to optimize their businesses. But she started this journey as a pianist. I was born into a family that had a piano in the living room. And so that's how I started playing piano. Um, just kind of playing around, teaching myself for a while. And then my dad one day decided I needed to have piano lessons. So we signed up with the teacher down the street. And she was a great first teacher for me, really. Um, I, I say she knew how to challenge me. And that's something that I really, I thrived when someone was putting challenges ahead of me. And so I think that's kind of why I landed on piano. It could have been a soccer coach or an art teacher or something, but she just struck a chord. So um, yeah, that's how I ended up with piano. Then I always had a strong interest in entrepreneurship as well. Um, when I was like three or four years old, I told my parents I wanted to open a used car dealership. I don't know why that was the thing I wanted to do, but uh, I haven't done that yet. <laughs> but it's, you know, I'm I'm not retired yet, so there's plenty of yep. time. Um, yeah, and then as I I continued to play piano and develop my interest in entrepreneurship in different ways, I always had businesses when I was growing up. Uh, and then in high school, I had switched teachers a couple of times, just you know, growing into other teachers and. One just kind of assumed I would be a music teacher, and that was interesting. <laughs> but after a while, that assumption she had just rubbed off on me. So I ended well, up. She just said to me. She she just said to you, you you you'd make a really good teacher. Or did she start it giving was, you teaching experiences, of students to work with? It was kind of like, well, when you study music in college, you'll do this, mm. this, this, or you need to do these things so you're ready to study music in college. And I. I guess it it kind of fit. And around, I think it was middle school, I thought, I think I'd like to open a multi-teacher studio um, and teach. And But I was also very interested in running the business side of that. Like business was probably my passion even more than piano. Um, but like I said, I just had these teachers who challenged me well. <laughs> so that's kind of where my business, the business interest went with the piano skill, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And now you've paired them. So tell us about I've that. Yeah. So I've been doing music studio startup, which is um, I coach and have courses and a podcast for music teachers that really delves into the business side. I don't talk much about pedagogy or things like that because there's so many excellent resources for that. But I stick to the business side and I just have a passion for helping music teachers build sustainable studios, um, financially sustainable, not just like the thing that'll pay their bills this month or while they're in school, but really long-term making a career out of it, whether it's as a, an independent solo teacher or as a multi-teacher studio owner. Um, really, yeah, just delving into the finances. That's kind of where I like to yeah. like to talk. What are, the, what are the biggest hurdles that you see music teachers have to overcome in order to get to that goal of having a really fulfilling and sustaining studio? 
Oh, there's a lot of mindset stuff. I mean, anytime you get into entrepreneurship, I feel like you're fighting against yourself the most. Um, just allowing yourself to think kind of um, bigger, maybe outside of what what other people are telling you and not in a like superior way, but as a solo teacher, you most of the conversations you'll have about your business are with the students and their parents and not with other business owners. Um, so getting perspective of, uh, or getting helpful advice or feedback maybe is a better word. Um, you don't really get that in the majority of your conversations because they're with your customers, not with um, like a business advisor of some kind or someone who's like looking at your financials and saying, oh, well, you need to do this or this. So um, I think there's um, just like the mindset part and exposure, familiarity with um, yeah, business financial principles, I think yeah. are kind of yeah. some of the biggest hurdles that keep people, hold people back and what I notice is that teachers don't even realize um, it's holding them back necessarily. Sometimes they might think, oh, I just need more students. That'll solve my problem. But it might be a more systemic um, issue in their business model. That's actually the the hurdle there. Yeah. And the same is with um, multi-teacher studios. Uh, they might set out thinking, I want to do some teaching and I want to be administrator a little bit. And if the business financial model isn't structured, you know, in a way that's sustainable, then they end up working themselves into a job where they're teaching 30 hours a week and administering the, the school for 30 hours a week and still actually struggling more as a multi-teacher studio owner than they were as an independent teacher. Um, yeah. Cause that brings on all sorts of other managerial challenges, like you're saying. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just good to have somebody in your court when you're, when you're a small business owner, when you're working from home, it can get pretty lonely and isolating. Right. So, so you, you act as a, as a cheerleader for people as well as a, a guide, guide and coach. So. For sure. Yeah. That's what I say. Like I am just a champion of other people's entrepreneurial yeah. endeavors because you don't often, you don't always have that. There are a lot of naysayers. And if I can be a champion for people, I'm so happy to do that. That's awesome. So you have mentioned that one of your, um, one of your areas of expertise is the, the finance side of running a business. So tell us a little bit about that. How did you gain expertise in that? I know you, you said you've, you've always been interested in business. Are you self-taught in the finance area? Did you learn it from running your own studio? Um, where does that come from? Yeah, some of both. Um, I was an entrepreneurship major in college. So I did oh. have the series of accounting classes and finance classes and really enjoyed them and economics as well. If I could have had a third major, it would have been one of those three probably. Um, so definitely like I, I had the formal foundation and then yeah. just a lot of nerding out. I <laughs> my my parents are both engineers, and so I think I approach business with that mindset. And so to be able to put numbers to something, I find really empowering because in a lot of ways, numbers are neutral. Um, you know, I've worked with teachers who are wanting to start big programs that are going to cost $30,000 or $100,000 to start. And when you just you've got like a vague sense of what you want and you don't have numbers with it, it can just seem overwhelming. It can seem huge. And when you put numbers to it, then it's, it's just that it's $30,000 or a hundred thousand dollars. It's not 
positive or negative. It just is what it is. So I find that um, it brings some neutrality to what can be stressful um, as teachers look at what's working or not working in their studios. And Yeah. yeah, so I, like I said, I had the formal foundation and then just practicing with my own business and working with other entrepreneurs, um, in their businesses. And, um, and I, I think I'm a teacher, you know, at heart. So I enjoy teaching others. I I want music teachers to be able to speak the language of business and finance. Um, again, it's empowering. If you need it to go to a bank or talk to an investor, you want to be able to talk the language they're talking with, their, uh, the financial statements and things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think, you know, you always learn more by teaching it too. So learn to express things in different ways and, um, make sense yeah. of things that teachers are looking at. I love what you say about taking the emotion out of that. Cause I think, you know, and, and, and pairing that with your idea around mindset, because I do think for a lot of small business owners and for music teachers in particular, there is that sort of emotion around, um, the whole topic of money, right? Am I worth what I'm charging? Can I charge more? You know, am I asking too much of parents? Um, is this enough to support me? You know, all of that. And, and it seems like you tackle that from both sides, both from the mindset point of view and from the, the, the point of view of actually knowing how the finances work and, and, and taking the emotion out of that and saying, this is, this is what it is. You need a living wage, right? You need to Mm -hmm. be able to, to charge what you're worth. And, um, and that's a certain amount and, and that it is what it is, as you said. So it is what it is. Yeah. And it's not an indeterminable amount. You know, you can, you can do the math, you can figure out this is what I need to earn. This is what my students pay me each month. This is how many students I need. And then you've got a target, like this is what you're working towards. Yeah. And yeah. 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 Love it. So, so we're preparing for tax season and we've got lots of uh, music teachers who are working to submit their 2021 taxes. And this falls right into your area of expertise. So um, we asked, we had a couple of questions proposed by our Duet users, specifically around organizing materials. And it seems to be something that feels a little bit overwhelming for, for a music teacher. What advice can you give to our music teachers to help them feel like they can stay on top of their organization? Yes, yes. And I always start this with, I'm not a tax preparer. I'm just a nerd who (laughs) who likes to understand taxes. Um, But I can speak to this based on what I've done. And I recommend different things based on different where you are in your studio. Um, Because some teachers are have pretty simple studio um, setups. And so you don't need to make an overly complicated system to manage that. so I can start when I was in high school and teaching out of my parents' living room. All I did was I took every single receipt that was related to businesses, business expenses, and I would put them in an envelope. And it was so few receipts at that time that I just had a, you know, envelope with the year on it. And at tax time, I would go through all those receipts. And maybe it was 40 receipts for the entire year. It wasn't very much. Um, so just, you know, tracking, getting in the habit of collecting those receipts was the first thing. Um, then at tax time, I would empty that receipt, that envelope, and document all of those receipts in an Excel spreadsheet. And I would list the date, the um, the the store or whatever I was, and then a description of what I was purchasing, um, and the amount, and a category. And the categories you can easily find from the IRS. It's a Schedule C. 
that you'll fill out for your business profit and loss. Um, so you can just categorize your receipts directly into the same categories that the IRS will want you <laughs> want the, them itemized for. Um, so that was how I did it early on. Uh, and that's where if a teacher doesn't have a system yet, like they're just trying to build that habit, um, that's where I recommend starting because it's so low friction. Um, yeah. And then as things advanced, I started, I kept with the same system, but made a habit of having a, a money date with myself. So every Friday afternoon or Saturday morning, I would sit down and go through my receipts from the previous week. And, you know, I just had a little more than this is when I had my multi-teacher studio. I was, you know, there was just more going on in my business. So I'd go through those receipts and track them as I went along. Um, I was also doing a money, more business. Da- a money date with yourself, huh? I love a money that. Date, yeah, <laughs> get some coffee um, or you know yeah. make it fun. A me, a me party with my taxes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And that was also a good opportunity to just review my finances in general, not just tr- receipt tracking for taxes, but make sure I had collected all my payments from that week. Um, this is pre music teacher management software days, um, <laughs> where you know I had I could automate those systems, but. Yeah, it was just a good chance to make sure all my checks were deposited, um, all those receipts were were categorized, um, and then eventually I moved to a completely digital system, and you know I now scan all my receipts and you know keep up with it as I go. I also have a lot more complex <laughs> complex business situation now, and multiple businesses that I'm responsible for, so there's a lot more. But the the habits and the structure is basically the same, just keeping up with it on a consistent basis and and um, getting used to tracking everything, absolutely everything. And you can have your tax prepared tell you, no, that's not an actual business expense, but you'd rather have the receipt for it at tax time than not. Yeah. Would you break down for us the different kinds of taxes that we can be expected to pay as small business owners? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we see taxes as just this one big lump sum that we pay and we don't really realize that it's broken up into these other categories. So as a self-employed person, you'll pay self-employment taxes on your self-employment income. Um, You'll pay federal income taxes. Those are taxes everyone, every self-employed person will pay. And then if you have state taxes, I think every state except maybe seven collect self or collect um, state income tax. So then you'll be required to pay that. And you might have some local tax. Like I'm here in St. Louis City and we have a city earnings tax that's just for people in the city limits. Um, So you'll definitely pay those self-employment taxes, federal self-employment taxes, federal income tax, and then possibly the state and local. And then some states also collect sales tax on services like music lessons. There aren't a lot, but some states do. And that's kind of beyond the scope of, um, you know, personal taxes. But that's something to check in with your city or locality about. I'll mention here that Duet actually has a part of our system that you can use to track your expenses and to record your receipts. And we actually have a mileage tracker as well um, that makes things very easy at the end of the year when you're looking at, you know, business expenses having to do with with driving places. Would you talk about that for a little bit? How do you keep track of that? Is that something that you've ever had to deal with? Yeah, I just was talking about this with a teacher because the mileage deduction is sometimes people think it's not for them because they're not a travel teacher. Um, But 
I've only been a travel teacher for a brief period. And then of course I had a higher mileage deduction, but it's, it really is for everyone. And it's not a lot of work to track mileage. So basically the IRS every year publishes a, um, well, there are a couple of ways you can track it. You can either keep track of every oil change and tire rotation and gas fill up and all of that, or you can use the IRS standard mileage deduction, which you can just Google 2021 IRS standard mileage deduction to figure out what that is. Um, I think it's 55 cents for last year. And um, throughout the year, track your any trips you take. So on February 15th, I went to an MTNA uh, meeting and it was 27 miles round trip. And you just write that down. And at the end of the year, you add up all the miles and multiply it by that standard mileage deduction and you get to write that off. So it's it's just kind of free money <laughs> off your taxes yeah. if you're if you're already making those trips. And it can be where I see it really adding up is um, like conferences. You know, if someone's driving 300, 500 miles, that's a pretty easy way to save a lot of money on that that trip. Um, absolutely. And absolutely for travel teachers, you know, they might be doing hundreds of miles a week traveling between students. Yeah, so that's how that works. And, and that's awesome built into Duet because to have it uh, integrated with your where your income is being tracked gives you just a fuller picture of the health of your business on an ongoing basis rather than just seeing it as a line on your taxes at the end of the year. Yeah. So when you say that you keep track of your receipts all digitally now, is there a particular program that 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 you would suggest a tax tax preparation program or something besides Duet that our teachers might want to be aware of? My number one suggestion is use the system that you will actually maintain. So at different times, this has looked different for me too. Um, back in, I was an early user of um, Studio Helper when I had my multi-teacher studio, and which is the precursor to Duet Partner and super valuable tool for um, keeping track of all of those things. Um, in conjunction with that, I used accounting software because I'm a nerd and, and like the extra <laughs> reporting. But um, and now because my businesses are, I've got several businesses. It works better to just use accounting software. But what I love about keeping things digital, and I reckon whatever system, if you're you're keeping your income in in Duet or another studio management system, I highly would recommend keeping it all in the same place. Do you do you take pictures of the your receipts now? I'm just I'm trying to figure out like what's the modern equivalent of putting a receipt in an envelope? Like oh, okay. wh where do you how do you how do you keep track of it now digitally? Do you take a picture of it? Do you ca do you categorize it somehow? Do you just put it in a folder on your desktop? Yes. So again in that money date with myself today it looks a little different because I've got um I just want to digitize those receipts. And so I'll scan them. I have a, a scanning app on my phone and then I either import them into my, my accounting software or um, I have several rental properties as well. And so those I just keep all in a digital folder um, on my, on my computer with the tax year separated by the tax year and by the business it's relevant for. Um, and so I know they're easily, they're OCR'd as well. So I can search them if I was audited. Like that's the important thing to me is that I can find the information I need quickly um, if I were to be audited. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like the principles that you're suggesting for organization are do it as, as you go, 
right? Have have a, a weekly date with yourself where you make sure that you've collected everything from the week. Um, and then find a system that you're that you'll stick with that you'll that's that will work for you to simply keep those things in a digital file or folder somewhere. And it, and like you said, it could just be something on your, on your computer, right? It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be a fancy app that you invest in or um, something high tech. Um, and the reason you want to do that is so that you can get all of the deductibles that you possibly can um, mm-hmm. file them each year, but also, as you're saying, keep, keep them for seven years in case you do get audited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to reiterate, like the system that works for me, I like using technology. I, I like having things digital. And for other teachers I've talked to, that would be too much friction. They would not maintain that system. So that's why I say do the system that you will maintain. That is the most powerful one for you. <laughs> so if you've got an Amazon receipt in your email, print that out. If you're going to go paper, print it out. So you've got everything printed or everything digital. Um, But yeah, whatever works. Love it. What are, what are some other um, sort of high level principles that you might share with a client around taxes? Anything? I mean, you know, we've talked about the consistency, um, keeping track of everything. All of that is so valuable. Is there anything else that's unique to a music teacher that you think, um, you know, our, our listeners should be aware of? Yeah, maybe the home office deduction is another one to think about. Um, with the home office deduction, it's based on the square footage of the space that you use exclusively for business. That's a big deal, the exclusivity yeah. of the, the space. Um, so, so your dining room table doesn't count, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have, it's easy if you have a studio space, you know, set up sure. that's really just exclusive for business. But at other times, I have not had that. And I just count the 10 square feet that my piano is in. Mm, and yeah. this is something to talk with the tax preparer about. But um, yeah, that's another one to be aware of. Um, and I mean, higher level, though, I guess the just reviewing your taxes, like being an active participant, even if you have a tax preparer, just if you take the time to read through those forms every year that the tax preparer puts together and compare them to the previous year, your knowledge is just going to go up because you're more familiar with it. And the first year you'll look at it and be like, I don't know what any of this means. And that's fine. Just revisit it the next year and look at it again. And let's say that comparison, because then you can see, okay, well, like the top line was this and the I had this much expenses and you'll start to see um, trends. And if you're reviewing on a monthly basis, your reports in like duet, that'll give you an even fuller picture of what's happening in your finances. And you can start to see where, um, oh, that month felt a little tighter because my, maybe it wasn't, I thought it was because my income went down, but really it was because my expenses went up or um, my expenses were really high in March, but I'm not concerned because I know there was a piano. It wasn't just some fluke thing. Uh, So yeah, being an active participant in your, every area of your finances, even though you might not feel like you know what's going on, it's the revisiting it over and over and over again, that's going to give you that um, sense of understanding and really empowerment. I mean, numbers, understanding your finances is just such an empowering thing. Totally. And 
what about this idea that that um, ha- what advice for a, would you give to a teacher to prepare for the actual tax payment? So you know, at the end of the year, it, it's it's a it's a it's a big amount that comes due. Uh, would I assume you would also encourage teachers to kind of take that in bite size, week to week chunks? Yeah. Have, what what words of wisdom do you have um, on that subject? Yeah. So there are a couple categories here. If you're a brand new teacher, you've never paid taxes before. Maybe you have you graduated last year and you've got half a year of income. That's a tricky one because you just don't have a sense of what your income and expenses are going to be. So to estimate what your taxes are going to be is a little bit rough. Um, and here it gets really, it varies drastically by situation, um, how much you will earn or how much you'll owe in taxes, what percentage. So I don't like giving a number there. Um, teachers, sometimes if they're just trying to save an amount, will pick anywhere from 15 to 30% to set aside for taxes. And I know teachers who actually transfer that money, like, Every month they say, oh, this is what I earned this month. And they transfer 15% of it to a different account. So they just can't even see it or know not to use it because that's their tax savings account. Um, Others do it on like a check by check basis with students. And and so, again, whatever whatever works for you. Um, But definitely be setting aside money um, and. I always <laughs> urge people to be more conservative than less conservative on this so you're not caught by surprise. Um, the second year you're in business, when you have one year to compare to, that's really helpful because you can go back and look at your total income from last year um, or and minus your expenses. So you're looking at then the net income and figure out what percentage of that you paid in taxes. And that gives you your effective tax rate. So it might be something like, 21.23%. And then you can use that as a guide for subsequent years for setting aside money to save. Um, and then just do the same thing, putting it aside in an account throughout the year. Um, the IRS also, as a self-employed person, you're typically responsible for paying quarterly, making quarterly estimated payments. And when you have that money set aside in a separate account, that's really great because you can just look at the um, look at what money you have in the account and pay that as your quarterly estimated payments. And so it really yeah. rises and falls based on your income if you've got variable income um, in those early years. Again, yeah. with a, a newer teacher who might be growing, like they might earn $1,000 in January and $3,000 in December. So you're, you're, when your income is varying that much, it doesn't make sense to pay equal um, quarterly payments throughout right. the year because it'd be a real struggle in January. And totally. um, so, yeah, setting aside that money, picking a number, being disciplined about setting that aside to save it for taxes, and then you're not surprised. Yeah. So, Andrea, yes. Are there is there any any other principles that you'd like to leave our teachers with? Um, be honest. That's what I would say. Um, taxes are, I mean, besides the tax evasion thing, um, there can be other consequences to not reporting your income. Um, I know some teachers want to just collect cash payments and say, I don't have to report them because it's cash. And that's not actually true. You do have to report that income. Um, but it can also have an impact on some financial goals you might have later on. Like if you're 
going to buy a house. And when you're self-employed, tax records are something they're going to review because you don't have, you know, an official employer behind you. So um, being honest on those tax records, if you manage to make it so it looks like you only earned $100 in a year, so you didn't have to pay taxes, then they're going to really wonder if you can afford that mortgage, your lender might. <laughs> so yeah. um, besides, you know, just doing what you're legally obligated to do by paying paying and reporting your taxes accurately, um, there, there are re- personal reasons why it's in your best interest too. <laughs> So that's that's, that's a really I'd... interesting point. I'm not sure I'd ever thought of that before. But rather, don't don't give up the short term gains um, because it might cost you in the long long run. Mm-hmm. And I have been audited before, and it's horrible. It's horrible. And obviously, that can happen to the best of us, and it can happen mm-hmm. if you're being completely honest and if you have done everything right. But it's more likely to happen if you're if you're trying to <laughs> cut quarters or doing anything suspicious. So yeah, definitely yeah. worth trying to avoid that <laughs> process. Yes, absolutely. To learn more about how Duet can be your digital partner in managing your music studio, visit duetpartner.com. And don't forget to rate this podcast on Apple and Spotify. We give monthly prizes to those who take the time to rate us on those platforms. Thanks. Thanks.